And then the last thing I want to mention, we don't hear much about them as well, is our young adults community. And they're awesome. Many of you guys in here are involved with them, run by uh, Emily Wood and Jeremy Wood, and then several young adults involved with them. And I just want to mention, you know, Emily has a master's in, the- in pastoral theology from Trinity. Jeremy has a BA in communications, or sorry, theater and music. Uh, they met doing street evangelism. They both love missions. I mean, this is a high-powered discipleship opportunity for any of you young people that want to be involved. So I just wanted to mention a few of those things. We've got many, many more that we're going to talk about in the weeks to come because, and here's what I'm getting to, because we believe in discipleship. Uh, we believe in actually becoming more like Jesus Christ. Like Steve said, uh, we don't think we got saved to, to stay the same that we've always been. But we believe that God wants to make us more into the image of Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about today. In this world, as you know, that is unstable and chaotic, there are some things that run true for the follower of Christ. And one is the gospel. We talked about that last week. And one is discipleship. God wants to work on our hearts no matter what is going on around us. Amen? So what is a disciple? A disciple is simply one who follows to become who follows to become, to become more like the person they're following or more like the program they're following. In Jesus' day, disciples lived with him, walked around with him, ate with him, you know, uh, saw what he did, learned what he said. And really the same is true today. We learn it through his word and we learn it through being in relationship with him. We don't get to be with him as a person, but we get to be with him as the Holy Spirit lives in us, right? And so we still get to be in close proximity with Christ. And for the disciple, what we really want to learn is his ways to live in love like Jesus lived and loved. So we live in this following culture. I don't know if you know this, right? But we follow people on Twitter. Anybody follow people on Twitter? We follow people on, you know, uh, all kinds of different platforms, social media platforms. We follow people on Instagram or we follow podcasters, right? Follow all kinds of things. And at best, those things are educational Uh, Maybe they're enjoyable. Maybe they're entertaining. But when you follow Jesus, it's different. Following Jesus is set apart from anything else that that we can follow in this life because Jesus brings true heart change. And he's the only one I know of that does that. He's the only ministry or program that does that. True life change. And so I want to share a little bit about discipleship today because I've been a disciple for a long time. I've been a follower of Christ for probably 54 years, something like that. And you're probably saying, well, I didn't know you were 80. You don't look that old, but, but you know, <laughs> I was very young when I started following Jesus. And here's what I want to say, that no matter what is going on around us, whether it's pandemics or politics or mandates or winter storms, discipleship still shines through. Discipleship is still happening. In fact, I would argue that discipleship happens even more when you're living in adverse conditions or living under pressure. I think that's when we're exposed. That's when our heart is exposed. And that's when God says, okay, do you want to do life the way you've always done it? Do you want to stay the same you've always been and expect different results? You know, that's the the definition of crazy, right? No, we don't want to do that. We want Jesus to change our lives. So discipleship, when you hear that word, sometimes you think about reading a book or joining a study But from my perspective, discipleship is really about becoming. It's about changing. It's about growing. It's about when I fail, because I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. When I fail, I fail forward. 
Like I don't fail and go backward. I fail and I go, okay, I don't want to do that again. Right? So I fail forward. Um, we, we live in this out of control life. So being a disciple says, Jesus, I place my trust in you. Jesus, this feels out of control in this life. I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to let you influence my attitude and my response in this crazy world I live in. So when I'm under pressure, when I'm living in adverse conditions, when I've been disappointed, I realize that that's an opportunity for growth and an opportunity for change. So what do disciples of Jesus do? Disciples of Jesus rally. That's why we chose the word. We rally to embrace change. We don't, we don't want to stay the same as we've always been. We want to live under God's influence. We want to love better every day of our life. Uh, like Jesus said, people will know you are Christians because of your love for one another. You know, how well you do loving one another, loving your spouse, loving your whatever people in your life that Jesus has brought you, that is what the world looks at and judges uh, your Christianity. Speaking of Christianity, I don't know if you knew this, but the word Christian actually means little Christ. Little Christ, right? So all of us who say we're Christians, the goal of our life is to become little Christ. Now that doesn't mean we become God. You know, that doesn't mean we become deity. That just simply means that we become more like Christ as we follow after him. And that's a good thing, right? Is that a good thing? To become more like Christ? Right. So I think that outside of Christ, outside of being a Christian, I think the motivation of, in life, if you'd ask anybody, is they really want to be in control. They really want to be in control. They don't want to feel out of control in their life. They don't want to, they don't want to give in to their circumstances. They want to be in control. Following Jesus is an upside-down world. Following Jesus says, I'm going to give my control to you, Jesus. I'm going to let you be Lord of my life. I'm going to let you, like Steve said last week, sit on the throne of my life. <clears throat> I'm going to, when, when life doesn't go as I had planned, I'm going to trust you, that you are good, and that you have a plan. So last Monday, this past week, I was supposed to be in El Paso. I was going to meet, uh, you remember Pastor Ricky who preached here? I was going to meet Ricky in El Paso and Garrett, a good friend of mine, and we were going to tour a factory down in Las Cruces. And so I was in, I was in SeaTac, went down, took the shuttle. It didn't quite go as I had planned. And I want to tell you about that because this is, a, this is an example of, of what my life's like and what I do when things don't go as I planned. So I took the shuttle from Bellingham down to SeaTac, three hours, you know, so started off fun, right? Three hours in a shuttle. And got down there and, uh, you know, waited my time to, uh, get for the plane to be ready. And so at boarding time, I got my first delay. Uh, we will be delayed an hour. In an hour, I got my second delay. We'll be delayed, delayed an hour. And then I got my third delay. We'll be, laid, be delayed again. And then finally, they let us board the plane. And now it was like uh, 5 o'clock, okay? It's supposed to be 3 o'clock, something like that. And so... We board the plane, and, and, and then the pilot comes on and says, okay, we're going to have to get in a queue. You know what a queue is? We're going to have to get in a queue because we need to be de-iced. I'm like, oh, I wonder how long that's going to take. So we get in the queue, and they de-ice us, I guess. I didn't see anybody. And then they say, okay, we're ready. We're ready to go out to the runway, and we're going to get ready to take off. So we're going to go to El Paso, right? So we get out to the runway, start, stop, start, stop, start. You know how it goes, right? You've been on that plane. And we get out to the runway lights because it's dark out now. 
and they're going to take off. And so the flight attendant says over the microphone, all right, we're ready to go. El Paso, here we come. We've waited. Now we're ready to go. I mean, we were going. We were ready. And we were all like, yes, the wait's going to be worth it. We're going to be in El Paso three hours late, but we'll still be there. You know what I mean? You're going to get the payoff for the wait. And then the plane turns left and starts to taxi back to the gate. And the guy behind me says, yeah, this isn't good. I don't think this is the way we're supposed to go. And, and nobody says a word. Like it's a three-minute taxi back and nobody says a word and we get there and they come back on the microphone. We're so sorry, your flight's been canceled. We hope you have a wonderful evening. And we're like, seriously? Two people that have missed flights now for two and three days in a row and they've got kids and they're trying to get home from Christmas, right? And we get back and, and they said, there will be representatives ready to meet you at the gate. There weren't any. And so everybody turned left and went back to the Alaska counter. I turned right and exited the airport and hopped on the shuttle and, and went back home. I thought, I'm not going to try to buy a ticket that these people need. You know what I'm saying? My life's, I, I can do this. They've got kids. They got to get home. And I, I tell you this story to say probably in my younger days, I would have been a lot more angry. I would have been a lot more frustrated. I probably would have said some things I shouldn't say and, and maybe just fumed. You know what I'm saying? Now, I was disappointed. I'm not going to lie. I really look forward to getting away for a couple of days, seeing Ricky, seeing Garrett. So I'm not going to lie. I was disappointed. But I, I found myself going in a different direction than the old days. And here was the direction. I found myself having this conversation with Jesus Honestly, I'm not kidding. Having this conversation that said, Lord, I trust you. You know, and I don't know why this happened. I think it was a good thing for me to go to El Paso. I think it was, you know, really a great thing. And so I don't know why this got canceled, but I trust you. And I'm going to choose to place my disappointment in your hands. I'm going to choose to believe in this moment that you are sovereign and that you allow what you allow. And so you're going to give me the grace that I need to work through this disappointment in my life. And I know that all of us face things like that all the time. I, people came up to me after the service and said, yeah, I had a flight. Yeah, I, had, I mean, I had several people saying, yeah, I know, I got that. But to me, this is what discipleship is. Discipleship is about allowing Jesus to change our responses and our reactions in life. So that when the pressure gets turned up and so that when we experience something adverse, that we grow and, and we don't respond the way we've always responded. That's to me what discipleship is. It's really allowing the Holy Spirit to work some changes in our life. And what I did in that moment, I can tell you, was I gathered my soul. Because my soul wanted to go a lot of different directions in that moment. I gathered my soul and I brought it under submission to the sovereignty and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to do in those moments when we feel out of control. Realize, realizing, I don't have control here. And so I'm going to give my soul to the one who has control. Amen? And it leaves you in a place of peace. And this is what, what I want to share with you. This leaves you in a place of peace where, where God's sovereignty is ruling. And he gives you grace for the moment. And again, you have to struggle. You have to work well and everything. But you're gathering your soul. And we are to do that with one another. We're, we're to help. This is what discipleship is. We are to help each other gather around the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what we did today as we sang together. 
We gathered one another. We united. We rallied around the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we sang worship songs to him. And we encouraged our souls as we did that. That's what was happening in this room. And the Holy Spirit worked in our hearts. Jesus is all about gathering. He is all about gathering. And that's what discipleship is. He said in Matthew 12, he said, Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. So our role after coming to Christ is to gather one another not just in church, but in small groups, in coffee time, you know, in whatever we do to encourage one another. Discipleship primarily is gathering one another to Jesus. It's gathering one another around him. What we're doing here, what we did this morning, is an important element of discipleship. Gathering to worship him with one heart, serving each other, giving together. It's about helping one another become more kingdom-minded in a world that is becoming more human-minded, okay? So our goal is to become more kingdom-minded. And when we do that, when we do that, God changes our hearts. He changes our life. And that's the first thing I want to say about discipleship. Number one in your notes is that being a disciple is really, it's embracing a kingdom of change. You can't really be a disciple and not change. So if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, he's going to change us Jesus said in Matthew 6, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Basically, he's saying, Don't give the world such power. Don't, don't be so worried about the worldly things. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. God is really saying, you know, uh, Come after me first. Gather around me first. I'll give you what you need. Don't worry about that stuff, but come to me. Be united around me. You know, I think that we can spend a lot of our energy worrying about life, especially now. I mean, what great opportunities to worry, right? A lot to worry about. But discipleship is about seeking the kingdom and, and focusing our attention and our energy on Jesus and what he wants to do. And it's, it's basically saying, God, you see all this trouble and chaos around us. God, what do you want to do in the middle of it? And primarily, what do you want to do in my heart in the middle of this? As I've had to make decisions about my life and my career and my family and all those things, God, what are you doing in my heart? I trust you, Jesus. I trust your sovereignty. I trust that you have a plan. For me, this is the big number one thing about discipleship. This is the big change that we trust Jesus instead of trusting ourselves. That we give up control to him because really we haven't done so well <laughs> with control, right? We haven't done so well and so we give it up to him, right? That's to me what discipleship means. So COVID, inflation, have you noticed your dollars not stretching as far as it used to? Uh, floods, and now extreme weather, right? All of this has reinforced just how out of control we really are. And have you noticed that you can't control the actions of others? Anybody had a two-year-old ever? You cannot control them. I mean, you'd have to tie them up and, and that's illegal. You know, you can't do that. And so we can't control the actions of others, but what we have control of and really, maybe the only thing we have control of is our response, our reaction in the face of adversity and in the face of trouble. And the Holy Spirit wants to work on that in our life, right? 
Now, our kingdom, our human kingdom, would say, just fix the problem. And I'm good with that. I think we should fix problems if we can. But that's not where it stops. With God's kingdom, uh, it's not just fixing the problem, but it's how we go about fixing the problem. It's the attitude with which we fix the problem. It's the love with which we fix the problem. Uh, Paul said in Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not a matter of fixing problems, (laughs) eating and drinking, but the kingdom of God is of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know you're in the kingdom of God when you begin to react more out of righteousness and peace and joy, when you find peace in the middle of problems. So many of you know we built an apartment for my wife's parents and they live right behind us. And so um, their pipes froze this winter. The first week of the cold snap, they had frozen pipes. And, you know, mom could have reacted a lot of ways. Mom could have sat me down and said, what kind of a house did you build? (laughs) You know, our pipes are frozen. We can't flush the toilet. And what what are you doing to us here? And so mom and dad are in their 80s. Mom is 82. I loved her response to this problem. She just simply gathered some buckets and she came over to our house, which didn't freeze, uh, came over to our house every day, filled up her buckets and would carry them back home and flush the toilet and, you know, clean the dishes and what have you. And she'd come over every day, twice a day and, and get water, right? And so a couple of times I asked if I could help and she let me help twice, I think, carry the buckets back for her. And then one time she said, no. I said, why not? I said, you know, I can carry those back for you. And she gets this little smile on her face. And she says to me, you know, Kurt, I've always wanted to be a pioneer woman. (laughs) I kid you not. She's entirely serious. And you'd have to know her to know the strength of, of her soul, right? I mean, she's just... And she says to me, I've always wanted to be a pioneer woman. And when I come over and get water and carry it back to flush the toilet... She said, I, I feel like I'm a pioneer woman and I'm out there fetching water and like to survive. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, whatever you say, mom, you know, but I loved that about her. And what I loved was that she, she chose her own response. Again, you know, you could sit around and whine, you could complain, you could come over every day and fill my ears with, you know, complaints. She didn't. She just simply said, I've always wanted to be a pioneer woman. And now's my chance, you know? And so she did. And it reminded me of the scripture we just read because to her, it was not about the things. It was not about, you know, eating and drinking. I mean, she needed the water to survive, but it wasn't about that. It was about righteousness, peace, and joy. She found her place of peace. She made peace with her situation when adversity struck. And a week and a half carrying water, you know? It's the most exercise she's gotten in a year, and it's pretty awesome. But I loved that about her, and I thought, you know, what a, what a great lesson of a woman who's been a disciple of Christ for a long time, right? She chose her response to this situation. And, and really, that's how we become disciples of Christ. It, it's really saying, come what may, I'll be okay. Come what may, I'll be okay. I, I may struggle, but I'll be okay, because Jesus is with me. Jesus is helping me. So how do I become a disciple of Christ? I believe it's primarily this. I really give over control of my life and of my circumstances to him. That is really what it means to become a disciple. And there's this passage of scripture. It's a beautiful passage. I wanted to share it with you today because it kind of lays out this process. 2 Corinthians 3, 16. 
It says, when, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image as the Lord, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And I want to draw your attention to the very first line. And if you could put that passage back up, the first part of this verse. It says, when one turns to the Lord. And to me, this is primary in becoming a disciple. And you may think, well, that's obvious, Pastor Kurt. But I can't tell you how many Christians I know that don't really turn to the Lord in their time of need. They turn to themselves, and I'm I'm guilty, turn to ourselves for control or, or to try to fix it or to blame others. And, but what Paul is saying here is that we have to turn to the Lord. We have to open our heart up to him. We have to invite him to do what he wants to do. So when one turns to the Lord, so a disciple turns to the Lord and a disciple gives up control. And when you turn to the Lord for the first time, when you get saved, here's what happens. The veil of unbelief that was between you and God is removed. That's the change that comes. Where you could not see before, now you can see. And the beautiful thing about this is now you can see a glory that's bigger than your own. Okay, now you have to think about that. But we live lives, before we're Christians, we live lives in our own glory. We live lives believing we can make things happen or we can take care of ourselves. And I'll tell you what, we need a bigger glory. And so one of the beautiful things that happens when you give your heart to Christ is the veil is removed and now you can look into the goodness, the nature of God, the character of God, and you can look into that glory and you can, you can believe that he is enough for you. His glory is what you need, not your own. And this is key for change. If you don't believe you need a glory bigger than yourself, then you will never change. But if you believe that you need a glory bigger than yourself, then you will ascertain that. You will grab onto that. You will ask God to meet you with his glory in those, time, in those places where you need to change. Okay, so when I behold God in his glory, see who he is, see his nature, what he is like, then he begins to change me. So I'm really changed by being in and recognizing the glory of God. And so to me, the key to change, number two in your notes, being a disciple, the key to change is to acknowledge and accept the truth about myself. Would anybody admit with me that we're all a little messed up? Would anybody admit with me that we all have problems and faults and failures? We're not perfect. We are being transformed. And so when one turns to the Lord and we begin to acknowledge and accept the truth about ourselves, how do you change? Well, I think a couple of ways. One is I think you begin to listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him speak to you about who you are. But also listen to people you trust. Other people who love Jesus. Other people who are filled with the Spirit. I understand there are people out there that you can't trust. You don't want to listen to them. But listen to those that would intend to help you, not to harm you. Listen to those who also listen to God. And what that will do for you is it will help you expose the areas in your life where you need to change. And it will help invite change into your life. Again, it has to be people you trust, people who know God, people who care about you, people who aren't going to speak lies to you. And then after that, it's good old-fashioned discipline. And like me, you just have to work hard on changing your life. 
with the help of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. But most things that are worth anything come from discipline. That's where we get the word disciple, right? We discipline ourselves to become more like Christ through the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, we ask for help, right? We get help from the people that we trust, the people that know. When our pipes froze, the first thing I did was I called my builder. I called Craig, who's an awesome guy, and Craig came over. It was his day off. He came over, and he came and helped me. And he assessed the situation, and he climbed up into my ceiling, and he pulled back some stuff and brought some heaters. And as he looked over the situation, he said, you've got a problem. I said, yeah, I'm aware of that. He said, well, this whole house is facing north, and there's bird blocks all along this, these eaves. And the cold wind is just blowing right through these holes that are meant to keep the birds out. And because your house is built on a slab, the pipes come up through the ground, they go up into the ceiling, and they run right in front of those bird blocks that are blasting Arctic air on your pipes. And I said, okay, thanks for telling me. You know what I mean? And so we covered, all, covered up all the bird blocks. Craig crawls up there and puts some heaters up there. And in a day and a half, we have running water. But the point of it is, I had to ask for help. And I had to ask for help from somebody that knew what he was doing. I had no idea. I mean, it may seem obvious to you, but I didn't know where the pipes run. I just signed the checks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I had to ask for help from somebody who could tell me what to do. And I want to tell you that's really, really important. We need to listen to the people who can tell us what they know about us, what they see in us. And we need to listen to Jesus. And we do that through his word. We do that through his word. John 8, 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, they had believed him. He said, if you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, to me, a disciple is somebody who cares about the truth. And they'll care enough about the truth to look for the truth, and we find that truth in the Word of God. Now, I could have said to Craig, uh, that's a bunch of baloney. I don't believe you. You know, that, that can't be causing the pipes to freeze, Arctic air blowing through bird holes. That, that can't do it. I could have said that to him. I could have just blown him off and said, I don't really feel like covering up all the bird holes. It's too much work. And Craig would have said, well, then enjoy a waterless life. You know, and eventually your mother-in-law is going to crack. I mean, you know what I mean? But I listened to him because he knew what he was talking about. And, and discipleship does that. Discipleship takes the word of God and, and the help of friends, the help of community, and it thinks about what Jesus thinks about and it, and it looks at God's character and it looks at God's nature and it says, I want to be like that. And so I'm going to do what I need to do to thaw the frozen pipes of my life. Places where I've become defensive. Places where I've learned to guard my heart. Places where I've not let people in. Places where I'm, I'm frozen up and I need help. And so I'm going to go to the Word of God and I'm going to go to friends and they're going to help me thaw the frozen pipes of my life so that I can be a person of running water. I can be a person to bless and to love those people in my life. How many of you know if you're frozen up, you don't have running water to offer? And so we need help to thaw those areas of our life that have been frozen. That's right? Okay? So... You can know all the truth there is. You can sit in church your entire life, but if you don't receive it for yourself, 
It's useless. So that's number three in your notes today. Being a disciple is inviting the Holy Spirit to change me. It's really having an open heart toward God. And I want to read the verse again, verse 18. It's so powerful that Paul quoted to us. It says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. I want to address that because, you know, people sometimes think that Christians are supposed to be perfect. I haven't met one. I haven't met a perfect Christian. I'm not perfect. We fall and we fail and we mess up. Um, but here's the thing. We're being transformed. Being transformed. And this, this is a description of a big church word, sanctification. That's a big church word, sanctification. It, it basically means being changed over time through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And that's what discipleship produces in your life. Change over a long period of time. I think sometimes we can get so disappointed in ourselves because we see ourselves sometimes making the mistakes again or, or what have you, and we just need to continue to walk with Jesus and let him continue to move us forward in our change, right? So one of the things I've learned to do is to not try to be perfect, but I've learned to trust Jesus with my nature, Trust Jesus with my character. Say, Lord, I know this is a struggle of mine. This is an area I need to change. I need to grow. So please help me. Please help me grow. And I, I sit in his presence and I invite the Holy Spirit to work in my heart. I do. I do that daily. And, and that is what God wants to do. And that's a disciple. is somebody who, who um, invites the Holy Spirit to work change in our hearts. Change that needs to happen. Now there's one thing that keeps us from being transformed. And it's pride. Pride is the thing. Pride says I don't have problems, or pride says they've got bigger problems. Pride says it's their fault I have problems. And pride says I don't need help and I don't need to change. I like the way I'm doing. And humility and being a disciple says I need help and I want to change. So if you find yourself blocked from Jesus having his way in your life, it's pride. And you simply have to let go. Let go and let Jesus work in your heart. And the outcome of this, the outcome of being a disciple, is a fruitful life. It's a life that impacts others for good. It's a life that is able to love for the sake of other people. It's a life that is able to give, not just absorb for yourself, but to give, to be, to be that flowing water that you want to be. I want to close with this verse today, Colossians 1.10. This is the outcome of a disciple. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, I don't know anybody who's there 100%. <laughs> so I have nobody to lift up to you and say, hey, see this person, that's, that's the one. No, Jesus. Jesus is the one, right? So what does a disciple do? A disciple embraces change. I'm recapping for you. A disciple embraces change. A disciple acknowledges and accepts the truth about himself or herself. And a disciple invites the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. And, and, and you see, this is what happens no matter what's going on in the world around us. The process of discipleship, of transformation, continues as we continue to invite the Holy Spirit to have his way and work his way in our hearts, no matter what's going on around us. Amen? That's why we rally around discipleship. Would you stand with me today? I want to pray for you, and then we're going to close with another worship song.
So I want to ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hands for this, but how many of you want to change, want to grow, want to become more like Jesus? I do. I do. I want to become more like him. I want to love better. I want to live better. I want to have more impact, good impact in the people around me and people in my life. And so that's my prayer for us today, okay? As we rally around Jesus, as we rally around discipleship, that we would find ways to invite the changing work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So if you're willing to have that prayed over you today, bow your head with me. I'd be happy to do that. Jesus, thank you so much that you made it possible for us to change. You, uh, you died on the cross, you rose from the dead, you sent the Holy Spirit to live in us, and now we get the daily influence of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, simply showing us what we need to do and where we need to grow. And God, I pray that we would not be people of pride, but we would be people of humility, people that are open to hearing from you, Holy Spirit, people that we would acknowledge and accept when there's a problem and we would work with you to grow and to change that area of our life. So whatever it is, Lord, I just pray you'd give us that great insight to do and become what you want us to become. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, disciples, we're gonna close with one more song and we're just gonna use this time to really kind of put the period on this time together today, okay? So sing with all your hearts.